Do you think UFOs, the paranormal, weird history, cryptozoology, and outsider art are pretty darn cool? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to High Strangeness with your host, Steve Berg. Hello, friends. Welcome back to High Strangeness. And tonight, I have my good buddy, Barbara Fisher on. Barbara is the host and creator of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast, and it is one of my absolute favorite things in the entire world. Barbara is an absolute wealth of knowledge. She's had her own experiences, and she is one of the most well-read and versed people I've ever spoken to in my entire life about the topics that we love to talk about on the show. So, Barbara, I, hey. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so unprofessional. I'm, you know, I'm a new host, and I forgot to ask you for a bio. Is there? Do you want to? talk about a little bit you, you don't have to do you want to give yourself uh, a little bio like okay i'll 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 come up with something yeah um i'm a i was born and raised in west virginia um the silver bridge fell when i was two years old so it was kind of the first time i saw my mom react to a news story um uh she heard it on the radio and burst into tears i didn't realize it of course because it was two but my grandparents lived in mason county and she was worried, of course, that someone she knew was on that bridge, which that wasn't the case, but it was also just shocking to everyone. Um, and so I grew up in the shadow of that, even though I was in Kanawha County, you know, a couple counties over. Um, but my dad had had weird experiences in the Navy. His sister has had a plethora of strange experiences. Um, my mom's family, out in Mason County, there was, there's some really spooky stuff that happened on that farm. So I kind of grew up in the shadow of all this stuff, you know, um, and people would, would talk about it. It was funny. We'd talk about it amongst friends and family, but then we were really hush hush about it. Like they didn't hide it from me. But then when I started having some experiences myself, like I had bedroom visitations of what I called the blobby people because they were vaguely humanoid. They were quite light, but they weren't like well-defined. Right. Right. So so they had head, two arms, two legs and a, and a trunk, but they, they, they were kind of misshapen and oddball. Right. I called them the blobby people. And I told (laughs) my mom about the blobby people. And that was the first time I told anybody of something weird that happened. And she was just like, Oh, that's nothing. Don't worry about it. So wow. it's really weird, you know? So I, st- I stopped telling my family about stuff. I only talked about it with friends. Um, but my dad read John Keel. Um, my, my dad read um, all of the old UFO people, Jim and Coral Lorenzen, um, uh, bah, 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 the, the, the J. Allen Hynek. Oh yeah. Um, you know, all Frank Strange. Yep. Um, all of these things, you know, all of these people. So, you know, he'd finish with the paperback and then, you know, it would sit on the living room table and I'd notice he wasn't reading it. It would be in a stack and I just, you know, I'd take it and it was upstairs and then it would go on my bookshelf. Right. So <laughs> You're that's inheriting that, them. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, uh, you don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> You're not looking at that. Um, but if he wanted to let somebody borrow it, he'd be like, where'd that go? Yeah. 
Where'd Donald Kehoe go? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, my daughter has taken my entire library. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. Um, it, oh, yes. And of course, we read Eric von Donneken. We watched ooh, in search yeah. of Oh, yeah. Those are so exciting. Um, it was kind of the golden age of paranormal TV with In Search Of. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was pretty, pretty awesome. We went to see the movie Hangar 18. Was that which, in the theaters? Yeah, it was in the theaters. Oh, my Lord. I did not know. I, for some reason, I thought it was like a TV movie. I've never seen it. It's hard to oh, find. It's, it's not bad. Right. It's not great. And, and of course, Dad and I both were kind of like, yeah, I don't think it quite worked out that way. You know. Right. But we went to see it on the premiere. Amazing. And uh, it was awesome. And uh, so, yeah, weird stuff around me all the time. Dad and I had some UFO sightings. I had a few UFO sighting when I was with my mom, and except she didn't see it. So, Whoa. You know. I've heard you tell that story. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's, I, it's really, really weird. Yeah, I may make you reach <laughs> if you don't mind. Because, <laughs> well, it's because it's so interesting. Um, you know, would you mind actually sharing that story? Because I, I find sure. it interesting on a lot of different levels. Sure, sure. So, okay, so I was in middle school. I was 12 years old. Um because I, I started uh, first grade a year early. So I was younger than all my peers. So we were we always took a walk after dinner. And it was either in May, right before school was going to get let out, or it was in June, right after school had been let out. It was that time of year. So it wasn't real hot. Right. Um, it wasn't super humid. But it was a very nice evening. And we were walking. And I had my camera with me. Um, because I had been taking pictures of uh, my pets. And then I got bored with, you know, the same three cats and the one dog. <laughs> so I took to taking my camera around to take photographs of people's pets in their yards, which I now realize if I had been any older than 12, that probably would have got me into trouble <laughs> because it's like, what is that kid doing? You know, and I, I don't blame him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's actually an interesting, uh, like art concept though. Other people's pets yeah, are like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I was, I was taking pictures of other people's pets and wandering around with my mom. And we were on, we were down in the Valley part of, of Charleston. You've been to Charleston. You've seen how it's a wide river Valley. Yeah. And then it's built up onto the hills, like the really nice neighborhoods are up mm -hmm. in the hills. Um, we were on one of the really nice neighborhoods down in the valley where there were a lot of Victorian and uh, craftsman style houses that had been built, you know, for the people who uh, owned coal mines and, and stuff right. like that. Uh, there actually used to be quite wealthy people that lived there. So we're going down this 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 area, and it's beautiful, but it is right down in the valley. So you don't have a lot of sky in front of you, up above you, because there's all these houses, and then there's the hills. So we're walking, and my mom stops and is staring up a tree. And it's a big maple tree, and it's one of the oldest ones on that street. And she's like, oh, my God, look at that bird. And I was like, okay. So she points. I'm like, where is it? She points. And I look up where she's vaguely pointing. And I'm like, there is not a bird. I'm like, well, well what's it look like? And she's like, it's red. But it's bigger than a cardinal. It's right there. Can't you see it? So I'm looking. And it's she's pointing at this big branch. 
and in the sky between the leaves and other branches, there was this big blank space for sky. I see something silver that looks like an upside down bowl. Whoa. And it drifts like it's going downstairs. And at that point, I stopped. I stopped. Everything stopped. I could hear my mom going off, you know, about the bird. Don't you see it? It's right there. It's the weirdest thing. And I'm sitting there going, I I, I can't even talk. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a, oh, that's a, it's going down this, the invisible stairs in the sky. Just like John Keel said. That oh falling leaf motion. Wow. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, it's just going down. Uh, oh, my. And it only lasted a few seconds, but it was long enough for me to cycle through. Is that a blimp? Is that an airplane? Is that a and it was none of those things. And I was like, and, it, and then it was gone. It was disappeared behind the horizon, which was a big you know, Victorian house that we were basically standing in front of. And then it was gone. And I still couldn't really talk. And my mom was like, the bird's gone. I can't believe you didn't see it. And I'm like, mom, what did it look like? And she said it was right up there. And it was like the size of a pigeon, but it was bright red, like a cardinal. And I'm like, mom, there's no such birds that look like that here. You know, maybe in the tropics. And she's like, well, maybe somebody's parrot got loose. I was like, well, did it look like a parrot? You know, she's like, yeah. no. And I said, you know, I, I didn't see a bird. She goes, well, how could you have missed it? I said, I was looking at the silver thing in the sky. And then she was like, what silver thing in the sky? I said, mom, it looked like an upside down bowl. And it just kind of drifted down like it's walking down invisible steps. And she's like, you didn't see that. And I'm like, yes, I did. And she said, well, then why didn't I see it? I said, because you were staring at a bird that I couldn't see. So we start walking home. And at this point, I'm really started started to get shaken up yeah. because she's arguing that there was a bird and I'm arguing that there was a UFO and she keeps saying there's no such thing as UFOs. And I kept saying, well, you know, birds that look like that aren't in West Virginia. They're just, it's, you know, she's like, well, maybe it was a Baltimore Oriole. I'm like, they're not that big. You know, I, I was like, they're just not that big mom. They're not that big. You know? It, and she was like, well, there can't be UFOs. Maybe it was a blimp. I'm like, it wasn't shaped like one. And she was like, well, maybe it was a hang glider. I'm like, where would they be landing? Yeah. I, I was like, and they don't look like a silver upside down bull. <laughs> yeah. I was like, first off, hang gliders don't look like that. Yeah. And she's like, well, maybe a parachutist with those, you know, weird. And I'm like, no, mom, where are they going to land? They are going to hurt themselves. You know, I was like, nobody right. is going to be landing. I said, besides, there was no airplane for them to have come from. And if it was a hang glider, the only place they could have jumped off of would have been up near the airport. And they're not allowed to do that because yeah. it's dangerous and they're going to land on somebody's roof or on their TV antenna and stab themselves on a tree or something. And, you know, so we're arguing. Yeah. And, you know, by, we get about two thirds of the way home and I just stopped talking because I was just like, she's not going to listen to me. So I stopped. And uh, she was huffy with me so she kept walking and she was quiet and we get home and on the walk in the silence that last little bit it came to me if i saw that did it see me mm. and i did not like that thought yeah at all i really didn't like that thought so i'm walking thinking that and going i don't you know 
I don't know. That was that was weird. I mm, I don't like the thought that it could have seen me. And if it did see me, what is it? And why did mom see a bird? Right. What? Because I hadn't really read about um, screen memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, communion hadn't come out yet. Right. This is in the the dark days pre Whitley Strieber pre lots of grays and all of that. Right. You know, so we we still had Venusians and the little hairy guys and yeah, the, things the, that look like the Michelin Man and all oh, that weird stuff. One of my favorites. I know, right? <laughs> I love and uh, Pascagoula, all oh, of it. Yeah. You know, so we I I was just like, what what if it saw me? It, oh my god, what if it looked back? So we get to the house and my mom, you know, stops in the kitchen and gets herself a glass of water. And I just walked into where my dad was reading the newspaper, which is, that's his uh, barrier to the rest of the world. Um, right. It's like a, it's like a force field. Yeah. It does not come down. <laughs> and so I stood next to him for what seemed like an hour because he, he takes a while before he lowers that corner and looks out, <laughs> you know, he was probably hoping I'd walk away. And, uh, he's, <laughs> He looked up, you know, he folded the corner down and looked up. And he's like, what's wrong with you? You look weird. Did you have a good walk? And I said, Dad, I saw a UFO. And he said, oh. So then the paper, you know, almost came all the way down, you know. <laughs> and he was like, well, what it looked like? And I told him. And then my mom, as I'm halfway through saying it was going like it was going downstairs and was making the motion with my hand, she came in, oh, you didn't see that. Nobody saw anything like that. That I didn't see that. So the, the, you couldn't have seen it. And then I looked at her. I'm like, well, that's because you thought you saw a bird. And dad was like, what bird? I'm like, that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> and then she said the most bone chilling thing. She said, I didn't see a bird. And for a second, I was like, is she denying it just to be because it's too, too weird? What's going on? And I honestly think she didn't remember the bird. Wow. Because she swore I didn't see a bird. And I'm like, Mom, you said it was red like a cardinal, but it was as big as a pigeon. And she's like, No, 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 I didn't see that. And I, I was, you know, I could usually tell when she was just being denying things. Right. But she, she honestly sounded weird and she was just getting like more and more hyper. My dad's trying to get the story out of me. She's trying to, she's getting frustrated because she keeps saying, there's no way I could have seen a UFO. It was probably a blimp. My dad said, well, it doesn't sound like it looked like a blimp. And well, the kid's only 12. They don't know anything. Yeah. And so finally I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go upstairs. And I went upstairs and I looked at my shelf of books and I was like, oh man, (laughs) I don't want to, you know, I was like, I thought I was ready. Oh, and my mom's other point was you had a camera on you and you didn't even think to take a picture. That's how I know you didn't really see anything. And I'm like, mom, I couldn't move. I was shocked. <laughs> I, yeah. I was like, that was not what I was expecting. I was right. expecting your bird. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. that was my first solid UFO sighting. Right. Uh, most of the time I see lights. No, um, no. But that was that that appeared to be solid and you but so you had had some kind of like i guess you know odd weird experiences with the um, the blobby creatures in your room yeah was this kind of like ratcheted up a level for you was this kind of like oh like i guess i'm trying to phrase this question right um did this accelerate your interest or your fear like to a new level or Both. both both it did both 
Okay, so the Blobbies, as time went on, before I hit the age of about 14, I had convinced myself that the Blobbies and the little lights and all the stuff that I saw in my room as a little kid was probably just a, a, a hypnagogic or a hypnopompic hallucination. Right. You know, because I, mm-hmm. I read about those and I was like, ah, that explains it. Ha ha. Right. Uh-huh. Science girl has won. <laughs> yes, yes, it's it's an abnormal state that's half between waking and sleeping. Okay, I can, I mm, yes, that's what it was. And uh, then other stuff started happening when I was fourteen that that w- was like, oh yes, we were a hallucination. Now we're gonna be really weird. Yeah. Uh, but that that UFO in broad daylight, it over top a big a, a sizable city. You know, I, I was like, I, 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 that was a lot. Yeah. That was a lot. And um, I had just read The Mothman Prophecies because oh. it had just come out. And my dad had gotten it at the library. Wow. And the other thing my mom said after, as I was going up the stairs and afterwards, she's like, it's your fault, George. You let her read all those terrible books. You should not <laughs> have those books and you shouldn't let her read them. You, and she yells up, don't read those books. That's what's making you crazy. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> You know, and and I was I just kept walking up. I was still kind of shell shocked. I didn't care. I just was like, oh my god, and I didn't tell my best friend. Like, oh wow! And she and I both wanted to be parapsychologists at the time. You know, we were we were tight. You know, and we were both into the weird shit. Yeah. And she just I didn't tell her for a while. I not for a week or so. And Dad came up the stairs. And he's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. No, I wasn't okay. But I said right. I was. <laughs> yeah. Know? You just didn't want to talk about it anymore, probably. You're like, let's just try no. to move on. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't want to talk about it. I couldn't sleep real well for a couple nights because I was worried that I was being watched. Um, And then, you know, I, I figured that my, my shelf of books over there were going to start disappearing at any moment because my right. mom was going to be like, yeah screw this it's making my kid crazy yeah and uh so i was worried about that and about a week later dad had noticed that i hadn't been sitting with my nose in a weird book for like a week or so and he came in and he had a copy of the mothman prophecies and he just tossed it into my lap and said there you go it's your own copy um he said i found it at the uh the arcade bookstore. So there you go. And I was like, Oh, and he said, yeah, reading them is not what's doing this. He was like, people see weird things. And I said, yeah, I know. He said, and, and that's a thing. People see weird things and that just happens. And your mom is wrong about these books are making you crazy. Right. These books are just telling you that you're not crazy because other people see it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a kind of a nice, comforting thing to tell a child too, because like your words, like, is this my fault? Am I bad? Is something like is something wrong with me? You know, like I mean, that's a sweet way to do it. I think you know, it's like, well, no, maybe you'll find some answers in here, or something that makes sense to you. Here's your own book. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's and and obviously, even today, that is a wildly valuable read to anyone, even remotely. Oh yeah, I, I reread it just about every other year or me every too. year. Same here, because I, you know, I'm doing research right now and. You know, I basically didn't even have to reread it. I just had to go through and remember which chapter stuff was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? I know. And mark it to type in, you know, on my notes. But yeah, yeah. 
John Keel was there almost from the beginning. So well, you 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 were like a little UFO or high strange hipster because like I tried John Keel when I was probably that age, exactly like twelve, and I remember I was so like firmly planted in it, wanting it to be like extraterrestrials, and I, oh, yeah. I was really into like the government knows everything, and you know, Earth One Bob Lazar was just turned to come out at, when I was that, that yeah. age, and so I was like. I, I loved that narrative and anything that was against that narrative, like Keel or Valet, I was like, that's too weird. I don't like that. And then, you know, and oh, then yeah. obviously now the, you know, when I became an adult, I was like, no, that's to me, that's what uh, is the most interesting stuff in the most, uh, the, the best thought experiments are coming, you know, probably still to this day are coming from those two guys. Like, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. He, this is kind of a tough question and I don't know if like how, well you'd be able to like go back into your 12 year old mind but like did this change your worldview you know i mean like this is a pretty impactful thing and it sounds like you know to use the uh paul Devereaux's quote uh it, it sort of like it's ontologically discombobulated you <laughs> you know like oh yeah it, it discombobulated me right 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 well you know it, yeah. it was it was <laughs> a it was a thing again I had convinced myself that the lights that we were seeing in the sky out at my grandparents' house were some kind of natural phenomena or we were mistaken, you know, Right. (laughs) and I had convinced my, and besides the really um, dramatic stuff that we saw out there hadn't really started happening before I was 12. Uh Um, But I had convinced myself that that was just some kind of astrological, uh, astronomical, not astrological. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) thing that was, that was going on. And then I had convinced myself that, you know, the, the entities that I saw as a kid and the weird lights in my room were just, you know, dreams. And the fact that my cat reacted to them, well, maybe I remembered that wrong. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. that was, so, you know, by the time I was 12, I had pretty much, it's not that I didn't believe in any of this stuff, but I had kind of decided that what I had experienced was different and it was explicable right. and, and that's okay. Right. You know, that, that was a good thing. And then that happened. And then yeah. I saw it in broad daylight up in the sky. It looked like metal it looked like brushed aluminum. In fact, it was that soft light sheen. It wasn't super shiny. It didn't reflect light like a mirror. It was, it was like a soft brushed metal, like the bottom of a beer can. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's when my dad asked me later what it looked like. That was what I used. I was like, it's like the, the, the aluminum on the bottom of a beer can. And, you know, he didn't have to ask how I knew what that was because yeah. everybody in my family drank Blue Ribbon. So I knew it's I need to drink bear, that out bear. of bottles, for God's yeah. sake. Heck no. Too expensive. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. proper hillbilly. You got to have the cans. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I that was weird. And it really, it really bothered me yeah. for a while. Um, and it, it was years before I saw another... Uh, seemingly solid looking thing right and um but my dad and i had a ufo sighting when i was about 15 wow. and it was in the backyard it was a light um it was one of those summer nights 
when there's this weird twilight that looks alive kind of mm-hmm. it's like the sun has set and like i said you've been in charleston so you know those big high hills that are on yeah. either side of the city well this the sun had gone below the hills but there's still light in the sky and it's reflecting up and then on top of that there had been a magnetic storm from a solar flare so if we had been north where my my aunt and uncle lived up on Lake Erie, we would have seen the northern lights. Um, but they saw them and told dad later. And so he he was correct in his assumption. So I, I went in the house. I said, dad, the, the sky looks weird. He's like, well, what do you mean weird? I was like, well, it's a weird color. You know, I, I it's just strange. And, and it just, it seems flickery like a movie. Oh. And he was like, Oh, well, let's go. He said, let's go look. And he looked and he said, oh, he said, there must be a magnetic storm. He said, because that's, that's what the Northern lights look like when you can't actually see them, but there's something in the light that's wavery and weird. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, we're looking at it and he's talking about, you know, the things that he saw in the North Sea when he was in the Navy and, you know, all the weird stuff. And then he stops talking and I mean, that's no big deal. My dad doesn't like to talk, but it was in the (laughs) middle of a sentence. So kind of, kind of caught my attention. And I looked where he was looking and there was a, a light hovering over the Hills. And I was like, that's kind of big. And it went from blue to red to white to blue to red to white. And it seemed to be rotating and it was fairly large. And I said, Dad, what's that? He goes, I don't know. And we stood out there for like 15 or 20 minutes watching this thing. First it was hovering, and then it started bobbing over here and kind of over there. And I was like, "What? what is it? And he's like, I don't know. He said, but you see stuff like that over the ocean. He said, but it's not a... It, He's like, I don't think it's natural. You know, wow. it can't be a meteor because those move and they fall down. They have gravity mm-hmm. that, that, you know, yeah. <laughs> He's like, a meteor, a meteor looks like a meteor. There's like, it's yeah, hard to mistake it. A, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And he said, you know, when I work midnight shifts up on the Hill, he worked at the carbide technical center, um, outside of the city. I, he said, you know, on break, I used to watch the sky. He said, and, I'd see stuff like that and it would be there again. All the stars would have moved, but that didn't, it was still hanging in the same place and it was still changing colors. You know, he said, and I've seen that more. He said, probably a handful of times. I said, did you ever make, you know, have anybody else look at it? Oh yeah. He said, they looked at it, but then they were like, ah, Fisher's crazy. Yeah. You know, what his African American friend Dwayne was like, Fisher, don't look at that. That's gonna make you crazy. <laughs> he's stop, like, stop. <laughs> yeah, he's like, No, 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 no. Don't get their attention, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't want it coming over here. You just stop looking at it. Just come in the come in. Come yeah. in. <laughs> I think you need to stop smoking cigarettes so you don't have to go out. Yeah, here. they're making you nervous. <laughs> 
Yeah, he, he was like, yeah, Fisher, come on. We're not, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. That is incredible. So, wow, you know you know what's interesting? Uh, I mean, there's a, a zillion things that are interesting about what you were just talking about, but kind of going back, your mother's side of the family and your father's side of the family has had kind of, you know, yeah. a lot of experiences. It, that, that um, so, I mean, it's like you were destined, to, you know, in a way almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think the way my friend put it, the way Diane put it was you're cursed on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> you got a double curse. <laughs> it's like, uh, you're, you're going to be a mess and that's just, <laughs> you know, she's like, you're, you're just going to be messed up. That's all there is to it. Well, but you know, uh, what's wonderful to see though, is that you are so not messed up. Uh, I mean, like you, you are so like, the way you talk about this stuff is so eloquent and so like deep yet. I feel like it's also very available to people. I, I don't think one thing I love about your show and hearing you interviewed and, and you know, anytime you appear anywhere or on your show, obviously uh, you have this natural neck and I'm not sure if you're trying to do this in a way of synthesizing very complicated ideas into easily digestible ideas. And, and that that is a gift, and I'm not sure if you, that's an intention you have, but like, you know, it's like you're able to take like you know, Keelian concepts or ballet concepts or you know concepts about the Fae that go way back, and make guys like me, it, <laughs> you know, like understand it and learn and like, oh, that's an interesting way of of looking at it. And I guess this kind of leads into my my question: when, because it sounds like you you were definitely reading about this stuff and you had all these experiences and just hearing you talk so many times, obviously you are a wealth of knowledge on all fronts of high strangeness. When did you kind of decide to, you know, start your podcast and start contributing, you know, like to the public, I guess, like what okay, made you, so, what, what inspired that? Okay. So, um, I, for, for many years from about the time that I had Morgana, so that'd be 33 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of kept a lid on the weird experiences. I mean, I had them. They never stopped, right. you know. Right. And and there were generally people around me seeing or experiencing the same thing. And that is something that, you know, I have a few theories about. I'm not sure about, but whatever. But it it boosted the fact that, oh, these are not hypnopompic hallucinations if we're both standing here or if we're all three standing here or if all 15 of us are standing here, you know, that's something else. Right. Uh, But I I was honestly horribly shy. So I did talk on the Internet with people, but never under my real name. Right. Um, When Greg Bishop was writing uh, UFO Mystic, with Nick Redfern. Yep, I love you, Mystic too. <laughs> yeah, I know it was great. It, and it blew and my he mind was writing that. Out. He was writing that after I had Fox. So, mm-hmm. you know, Fox was born premature, had to be in the hospital for like six, seven weeks, something like that, in NICU. And so I came home, and this little booger, you know, all it wanted to do was nurse and it yeah. wouldn't take a bottle you know uh-huh. little kid was not going to be having it so i basically had to sit and feed this kid i felt like a freaking milk cow but <laughs> you know i was just like uh 
So <laughs> I had to have something to do. I had already written a, a food blog for like five years, four right. years, five years, something like that. So I kept writing that. I had a, a desk that I brought into the to the living room that my laptop sat on and I typed with the kid attached to me. Um, and then I started reading um, Mysterious Universe, Daily Grail, and then I found US, UFO Mystic, and I, I loved UFO Mystic. And I yeah. recognized Greg's name from Wake Up Down There, yeah. from that anthology that he had put together, mm -hmm. which has the very famous john keel quote on the back which is the truth is out there but it's not in this book go read yeah. one of mine which is great which is also why i bought the book so yeah. uh and i've told greg that i ended up you know interacting with them with mm -hmm. greg and nick and especially red pill junkie um and a few other people um chris knowles and then i i started reading chris knowles blog and so i was interacting with them for years and they had no it was under a different name right. and they didn't know who i was and um, when we first had greg on the podcast you know i said i'm not a stalker but you know <laughs> i used to have yeah i used to talk with you a lot and of course morgana said she's a stalker don't listen to her <laughs> she's actually been stalking you for years greg <laughs> so there you are well, you know, funny story about that is um, I was at great. Greg is a great friend of mine. And like, you know, like, uh, you know, and I'm not the only one who kind of thinks this, but he has definitely been like my high strange mentor for like the last mm -hmm. decade. And um, we were having lunch at Henry's Tacos in the Valley of Los Angeles. And he said, oh, I had to, you know, I had to leave a little early because I'm doing this new podcast. Called, and I was like, oh, awesome. You know, I can't wait to hear it. I'll, I listen to everything you're on. And, and I was like, what's the name of it? And he's like, Six Degrees of John Keel. And I remember saying to him, go, that is the greatest name of a podcast I've ever heard. And just based on the name and that Greg um, was doing the interview, that is when I started listening. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, oh, I, I, I had to hear any interview Greg does. And plus the name of the podcast, like, tickled me in such a wonderful way <laughs> that I, I mean, I was and I listened to that interview and I was an instant fan, Barbara. And I have been, and that, that was pretty early on, right? That was like, Oh yeah, it was fairly early. I think he was probably our first quote unquote big name yeah. guest that we had. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, he, it's, you know, he's one of the best guests to have on period. Uh, you know, <laughs> <Greg> <laughs> oh, <Bishop yeah>. man. <laughs> yeah. He was fun. He was a lot of fun. I mean, I had to cut the hell out of that, uh, Pod, we talked to him for like three hours. Yeah. Uh, at least one and a, and a quarter hour was food. So I could take yeah. most of that out, you know, but it's, it was fun. It's, well, <laughs> you know, he, he, and that's the thing, like Greg is so, well, like you, like I'm, I'm a huge food guy. Like I love cooking. And mm -hmm. the first time I ever reached out to you, <laughs> you posted a picture of, I think a chicken curry recipe and you didn't even know me, but you, you had no idea who I was and you were so nice. And you actually direct messaged me the recipe for it and I made it and it was terrific. <laughs> but then yeah. shortly after we became buddies, you know, we, I, I, I can't remember how we like got connected probably through social it, media I, you know but you, I don't know I thought, or you it know it must have been it well you it, know it must have been social media I think I here's where it was probably it was probably a little bit of social media but then Barbara and I actually met last summer in person of all places in uh Point Pleasant West Virginia because I was out there yes. with Greg and some other guys and you drove up and you know we were doing a little 
buddy pilgrimage to Point Pleasant because you have to do that at least once. You have in your to life. go, yeah. And it is so worth it. I had the time of my life. But Barbara came up and met us, and I remember asking Josh, I was like, Wow, Barbara Fisher's here, man. Will you like introduce? I wanted like a personal introduction, and Josh was so nice to do it, you know. And but you were so nice to me, like you was so like you know, it was also just you knew so much about the area. And I remember you you went into the TNT like little uh, you know, cement bungalow thing where they held <laughs> and, and you yeah. you did a little EV we, we tried to talk to Andrew Cole through my uh <laughs> And he was having none of that. He was having none of that. I think Josh scared him with the tuba. (laughs) I think so too. The tuba was amazing. It was doing the the you know close encounters. Oh yeah. You know communication thing was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that was a big highlight of the last ten years of my life. I I loved it so much. Okay, so I I you know I wrote down probably five million questions for you and we'll probably get to three or four but that's how these things go when you have a wonderful conversationalist like yourself on um yeah i can always come back i I, oh please 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 i do want to ask you a couple things um that i I really like okay so you i you have a really like great knowledge of not just ufos folks like she really barbara knows kind of like you know i guess ghosts cryptids uh you know fairy lore uh you know you really have such a great handle on all this stuff and uh, my question you know i always want to ask everyone this and obviously you don't know the answer but just kind of where your head's at do you think these things are connected or do you think they're different masks of uh the same phenomenon or you know like where are you at right now and your mind may change like monthly like me but uh (laughs) you know um when I talked about my friend and I wanting to become parapsychologists, uh, that started, you know, around the age of 10, 11, 12, because mm-hmm. we were reading stuff that was written by Louisa Rhine and J.B. Rhine and old uh, PSR stuff from the late 19th century, early 20th century. That, weirdly, the Kanawha County Library in Charleston had a huge section of that stuff. And it had, like, stuff from Aleister Crowley and, and you know, the Golden Dawn and, wow. you know, McGregor Mather and, I mean, all of that stuff, you know. So the two of us just, you know, we would go every week and pick out books and sit at the library reading them and deciding, you know, which ones we were going to check out and then trading books, you know, it, it was this thing. And one of the things I realized when I was reading about the the seances and the ghost lore and the fox sisters starting spiritualism and all of that was you know there there was stuff that happened you know poltergeists happened as gil said after a ufo sighting yep or before a ufo sighting yep 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 yep. or during a ufo (laughs) i mean you know it's like there it wasn't this clear cut it's like in search of if you watch the tv show it kind of makes it sound like everything's separate right you know? right you got you got the curly and photography with the auras and you got bigfoot yep and you got nessie and you got ufos yep you know and all of these things you got ghosts and seances and all of these things are different and i was like i'm not so sure about that right um i'm really not too sure about that and so even early on, I just kind of had this feeling that 
it was all weirdly connected. And then, you know, by the time I'd read everything John Keel had written, I was right. His, his logic is sound. You know, sometimes he goes off the rails and gets a little crazy, you know, and, and starts being weird. But I mean, he, he had people messing with him sometimes. Yeah, he <laughs> mostly. Sure did. I'm looking at you, <laughs> Great Parker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great Parker. I'm talking about you. <laughs> oh, the UFO tricksters. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, he also had weird things happening to him directly because yep. he had been, I would say, fussing around it too long, and and it yeah. just decided, well, I'm going to mess with you. Yeah, and so you know, by the time he wrote Disneyland of the gods, of course he was angry and fussy and cranky and um, just sick of it all. Um, But his logic was still sound Yeah, that these things are somehow related yeah, and somehow interrelated. And then, you know, I started reading all of the lay. Yeah. I had read passport to Magonia from the library when I was a kid. And, yeah, and that'll I was change like, you. <laughs> oh, I recognize this fairy lore. I recognize yep. that. I recognize that. Oh, that's in Catherine Briggs. And that's in Evans Wentz. And, you know, and then uh, I started reading his, his other UFO books and his logic was very sound. And they were saying almost the exact same thing. Right. And I was like, you know, Keel gets emotional about it. But he's still basically right. Yeah. You know, he's basically, yeah. his line of thought is just as strong as Valet's. Yep. And Valet is, is wording it more like a scientist. Yeah. But at the same time, he also is well-versed in folklore and taught himself that stuff. And it, 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 I'm not going to argue with those two too much. Right. And then I started reading... Um, Whitley Strieber. Yeah. And, you know, uh, first off, communion. I, I read it and I couldn't keep it face up in the house. Yeah. Um, I, I kept it face down because that damn picture. Yeah. Um, it messed me I up. Hated the cover. Yeah. Hated I still it. do it. It still troubles me. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't like it at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. <laughs> and I remember reading it and I had read his horror novels, you know, as I was growing up. I loved his horror novels and I read them. I read that book and I was like, oh my God, that was worse than any of his horror novels. And I knew from reading it, something had happened to him. The way he wrote, the way he explained it, something had happened. And the fact that his experiences did not fit exactly with Betty and Barney Hill, that they were more unique and that there was some kind of psychic weirdness happening and there was poltergeist weirdness. I was like, he's basically right there with Keel and Valet without being theorizing or being intellectual about it. He's had these experiences. Yeah, he's just reporting the kind of, like, you know, the kind of patterns that they were actually talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, well, thank God I've never had those experiences and, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I do think that they're related. I think that they mm-hmm. have to do primarily with universal consciousness of some sort. Uh-huh. And this is where we get into the spiritual and the woo-woo, but right. I'm firmly oh, I, grounded I love, in the spiritual I, and the woo-woo. Same here. I love going there. I love going. I live there. 
<laughs> yeah, that's 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 my that's you know my home address is you know yep. West Virginia, <laughs> you know. So we're there, we're there. I love that. And uh, I, I think that there is a a lot of entities. There are a lot of entities, but they may be separate. Like humans are separate, but it's right. still an illusion, right? We're mm-hmm. all connected. Everything yep. on earth is connected. Then, you know, everything, because, you know, I read, I've read Hinduism and Islam and, you know, neo-paganism, all of these right. things. And, and right. I tried so hard to be a really good Christian when I was really little and it just right. never worked because it didn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but all of that stuff, if you read in any religion, it pretty much says we're all connected. Right. In, in one way or another, it says it that, you know, it's mm-hmm. probably more flowery, but that's basically it. All the Zen, Zen Buddhism is, yeah, it's pretty plain spoken and it says that too. Right. So in my mind, yes, it is connected. It is manifestations of a universal consciousness, just like mm-hmm. we are, which then I can flip it on its head and go, well, okay, so all humans are connected, but some of them are still jerks. You know, and some right. of them are still genocidal maniacs. Yeah. You know, we're all connected to Hitler. Oh, isn't that uh-huh. nice? Yeah, we like yes. that. Um, <laughs> but still, if everyone's connected, everyone's connected. You're going to have people that rise up in their life and do something terrible. In fact, all of us have probably done something bad, not Hitler's yeah. level, but something no. bad in our lives that we regret. Um, so, you know, bad people are connected just as well as good people. We're all connected. Okay. So what about the entities? Are they all good? Are they all bad? Are some of them good and some of them are bad? Or some of them are in the middle and just do whatever it is they please and are kind of in that gray area between bad and good. And that's what I think is happening. I think that some of these entities we come across are basically non-corporeal or mostly non-corporeal beings that are similar to humans in that they have their own agendas, they have their own thoughts, they have their own beliefs, their own ways of doing things, but they may have a little bit more understanding of spiritual and energetic power than we Mm do. Mm -hmm. Um, We went the materialism route, and some of those guys, since they're not corporeal, why would they do that? Right. That's like tying your hands, you know. Yeah. Doesn't make a whole so, lot of logic for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're a little bit ahead of us. And right. and maybe I also wonder if, you know, Josh Kutchin talks about the ecology of souls. There's a whole bunch yes. of souls out there. Which you sometimes did Sometimes they're on. embodied. Sometimes they're not. Yeah. Well, what if some souls are kind of a, con- a congregation of souls, a conglomeration of individual little souls come together to make a larger one, which is basically what we do with the whole universe, right? right? We're all parts of that universe. So we're all glommed together with, with, you know, connections there, but what if some intentionally create connections and become larger and larger? And then they have more energy to move and, and affect things in different places, different realms. That's kind of how I've been thinking about it for a while. So we are connected, but we're also separate. 
And yeah. just like humans, non-corporeal entities can be good and they can be bad. Yep. And they can be just different. You know, they can yep. have ways of thinking that we don't know. We, it, yeah. just, we don't understand it. So right. how can you Some say can care about our well-being. Some can care less, you know? I mean, like, yeah. mean, like even just, you know, if you look at the, you know, encounters throughout history, I mean, it's never the same thing. I mean, there are patterns and different, like, you know, eras where, you know, in the 50s, there was a lot of like, you know, save the planet, you know, you're in, you know, peace and love. And then the 80s, it became really like, almost violent with the abductions of the eighties and nineties. But yeah, I, I often wonder like, you know, because when you read Keel and ballet, you kind of understand that this one, the phenomenon, whatever you want to call it, UFOs or all this stuff did not just start in the world war two or, you know, in, during Roswell, right? Like it, no. this stuff has been manifesting itself in different ways through, I mean, maybe as long as humans have been around, you know, people have been carving on walls. But I kind of sometimes wonder, you know, and this kind of goes on to your, um, you know, co connection with uh, universal consciousness. Do you think like mythological archetypes that we've had, you know, kind of almost this young, because like young never really like, because I think he died before, because he started getting into UFOs kind of late in his life. Yeah. But what I, I kind of gleaned from his book was that these are real. They, you know, they appear as material, but also appear as non-material but they sort of manifest themselves visually or experientially as kind of like these mythical archetypes that humans have going you know mm -hmm. way back so I, I mean i wonder if there's kind of something to that because like you know i think cultural lens has a big you know if, if fatima happened in new york city in 2023 everyone would probably think that was a ufo sighting not the virgin mother oh Mary. certainly the miracle of the sun yeah you yeah. know so it does seem like what era we are, where we are technologically and culture, especially has a big role to play in this stuff. Yeah. And in, in which kind of makes me start to think about Greg Bishop's co-creation and uh, hypothesis that whatever we're seeing, it may need us, you know, or it may appear differently to different people. Like, yeah. you know, going back to your story with your mother, where she sees a red bird that you could not see. And you see a, a silver UFO that really would be hard to miss. Yeah. <laughs> and she yeah, could not but see she, that. But she couldn't see it. So I, Her brain know, was makes... like, having none of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, it may, and, you know, when I first heard you tell that story on your show or, or another podcast, I remember kind of thinking like, oh, maybe that was whatever the phenomenon was manifesting in two different ways to two different people. Because that's not the first time I've heard that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you read and about this, this stuff. Yeah. It's not the first time that I've read about it, you know, yep. and um, the the one of the really massive experiences that happened with 12 people back when I was graduating from college and we were having a graduation party. Some people didn't see anything, but they heard stuff. Right. Some people saw things, but they didn't look like they looked to other people. Right. It was really it was this if i sit and list all the things that the that my friends reported from that night it's it sounds like i'm making crap up because yeah. it can't possibly have been like that but it was yeah and 
you know, there were there were bits of it that you could say, well, that's a UFO experience. Well, that's a fairy experience. Well, those are aliens. Well, those are uh, Will o' the Wisps, and those are you know, and you know, what was messing with the dogs? Well, we don't know, but the dogs were freaking out. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there was just all of these things happening, and I mean, it really freaked out my friends. I mean, there was yeah. a point where everybody but my friend Dave and I went inside the house and just were tweaking out because people things were looking in the windows <laughs> and 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 there were lots of windows in that house and we didn't have curtains except in the bedroom because uh we lived out in the country so why right. <laughs> we wanted the sunshine so yes. then everybody is like why did you not have curtains <laughs> damned hippies why yeah. <laughs> Screw sunshine, why? Yeah. There's things out there. <laughs> <Is it>? Yeah. <laughs> have you, have, you know, and I don't think I've ever, um, I know, you, you know, because I know you are, uh, you know, a pretty voracious, you know, reader and researcher into this stuff. Have you done much, like, kind of boots on the ground, like, I'm going to go try to, like, track down some weirdness yourself? Or is is that, I mean, you've had so many experiences that maybe you're like, ah, enough's enough. I get, I get the picture. <laughs> Okay, so I would say generally I don't go looking for it, but it finds right. me anyway. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't go with equipment. Mm -hmm. um, I do have a cell phone with me all the time, so I yeah. have taken a, a, a photograph of weird lights, um, but that photograph serves a pretty much a singular purpose for me and and a, a smaller purpose for a few other people who've seen it in that it told me that there were photons out there that it wasn't all in my head mm. and it wasn't all in other people's heads you know right. all of our heads all together that there was actually a physical photon of light out there there was a conglomeration of photons and they were doing things um that my camera could record um but, I, you know, I don't go out with the ghost hunting equipment. I kind of want to, uh -huh. but I'm pretty sure I'll I'll burn it out because I, I do yeah. tend to destroy <laughs> electronic equipment. So it's kind of dumb. So what I basically do if I'm in a place, I just kind of go and I'm open. Yeah. To And I, I feel things. And if I have time, I'll just, you know, sit down and wait. And that's almost all that's needed really yeah um you know i i <laughs> I, I, f I feel kind of weird saying it but i i my idea of ghost hunting would probably be just to go to a, a place that's supposed to be haunted and wait yeah. just hang out just chill <laughs> and you know eventually something will come and if if you know morgana's with me or a couple of my my friends are with me who are also you know weirdness magnets then we don't have to wait as long usually you know because right. you know there's this i don't know what it is i don't know if you know the whatever's the the phenomena knows that there's a little pool of people over here in this house but we're gonna go and see what's going on right you know? or they they have they they sense us and they're like hey there's a snack over there we're gonna go over there and try to feed off of that let's see if we can scare them or whatever it is right. but usually if i just sit and wait 
something will happen. I'm kind of like I'm kind of like um, Chad and Tim uh-huh. from uh, Strange Familiars. They just basically go out in the woods. Yeah, you know they don't whack sticks on stuff and they don't make weird Bigfoot noises and yeah. they just go and they might talk to the woods, you know, but they don't go and hoot and holler and act like fools. Right, and they almost right. always have something interesting happen. So yes, they do. <laughs> I'm kind of like, well, that's, that's basically kind of what I do. If the little lights are outside, I, you know, I just watch and wait. And see, this seems like a very like easily, or like, you know, such a like, uh, maybe I don't know if safe is the right word, but uh, a, a really sweet form of divination. It's just, I'm just going to go be very open-minded, positive, and put out a good intention and just, you know, eat a, eat a light snack while uh, I wait for something to come. <laughs> you yeah, know, like. Pretty much. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah, because you know, I'm, I'm interested these days in kind of, you know, I've become friends with Ren Collier, who's a really smart guy and really interesting dude. And he's a practicing magician. He's actually a fellow mm-hmm. And he, uh, but, you know, I was talking to him when I was in Nashville uh, earlier in the fall. And he was telling me, he's like, I think he's like, I don't, I can't say for sure. But he was like, I think you can make this stuff happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like there is a way to, you know, I don't know if divination is the right word. Uh, but, you know, precipitate weirdness. You know, if you oh, want yeah. to, if you want to experience it, like it may not be like on demand, like, I don't know, like happen every time. But he's like, if you're consistent and you're dedicated and, you know, you maybe you go to the right place or in the right frame of mind, something weird will appear. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the way Stephen Greer's uh, CE5 protocols yep. work. Yep. You basically go out and you have a meditation and you go out in a group because, again, any magical practitioner will tell you that groups can raise more energy than single yeah. people unless yeah. they're just really, really good at it. Yeah. Um, and and Ren, yeah, I've 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 talked with him, and uh, yeah, we're we're kind of collegial about that because I'm a practicing witch, so yeah, you know, the way he does his magic is different than the way that I do mine. Right. Um, and I used to shy away from calling it magic, but screw it. I'm just going to call it yeah. magic and just yeah. deal with it. Because it, what, what I'm the... doing is settling my mind and and being open to the surroundings. Right. Um, Jeff Ritzman, the late Jeff Ritzman, he oh, had. I, I'm such a fan of him. Oh, I, I, really I miss loved him. him. He was. I Me loved his, his work, you know. Really, really smart. Yeah. Um, but loss. he has an Huge interview loss. with Greg Bishop. Um, why he has many, uh, Greg had him on several times, but in one of the interviews, he explains to Greg how he precipitated strangeness. And it was really funny because he didn't really want to tell Greg yeah. and he didn't really want people doing it because it turned out kind of not so great for him. It sure, And that's right. the danger is yeah. that it can turn out not so great. And yeah. that's, that's a problem. Um, And that's why I think people like Ren and myself, people who actually practice magic from some kind of occult perspective or tradition, I think we kind of need to explain this to non-occultists that there are ways to protect yourself. You do not have to just be like, hi, (laughs) 
right I'm yeah here. i'm <clears throat> so open and then you wonder why you start having nightmares and you know yeah. stuff in your house yeah, i mean <laughs> yeah well it's, it's you know it's true because i was uh you know uh gosh a few months ago i was actually um lucky enough to have a conversation with john tenney and he was telling me he you know because he, 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 he i was like well john i'm out kind of like looking for this stuff like for the first time i'm like be, trying to be proactive going to places where weird stuff has happened and and he was like what i recommend you doing so you don't he's like do you want stuff following you home because it will i was like uh no my wife will hate that if i bring something weird yeah no, that's so a good he, way he, to lose your yeah your, your family that's not good he, yeah she's kind of uh forbade that and i respect it so um but he told me to walk along a railroad track and find four like like you know railroad spikes that are made of iron and put mm-hmm. one in each four corners of he's my right yeah right. and i was like yeah and i thought that was really interesting in you know because the hitchhiker thing like it's one thing to go out to a forest and look for weirdness but then when it follows you home that's a that's a layer of weirdness that i'm not sure i'm ready for you know? no like, no um do, do you, you know as in, in like I, I guess it's kind of a twofold question now one what does like a practicing witch actually mean and two do you have any recommendations for like myself or people who are kind of like going out and looking for the weird, but I don't want to bring it home per se. <laughs> no, I, that, and that's a good way to be about it. Don't bring it home. Okay. Yeah. So what that means is, is I work with what you could call subtle energies or emotion or orgone or the force or mm-hmm. whatever um, key. I work with, the energy that is available in the whole earth realm, everything, right. You know, um, feel it in the earth, feel it in the trees. You can feel it in the air. You got to open yourself to it, but that is the safest thing to open yourself to just sort of the, the energy of the earth itself. And, uh, that's easily enough done. You know, you can sit with your butt on the ground cross-legged barefoot put your hands on the ground put your palms on and just clear your mind as best you can i know nobody can clear their mind real easy i mean there wouldn't be zen buddhism if it was easy you know (laughs) no kidding there wouldn't be zen masters with sticks coming up behind you and smacking you in the head if it was super easy (laughs) you know? know um but try and just try and feel what is under your hands and feet first you're going to feel grass and then you're going to feel dirt and then you're going to feel ants walking over you and that's going to bother you because it's like is it a tick or is it an ant i don't know um you can spray off on you that's not gonna it'll keep the ticks away but it's not going to keep the earth away so you know we are not like you know primitive here we (laughs) we believe in using all modern conveniences if we can so just feel it and feel it moving. And what you'll eventually feel, at least in my experience, this is the way I've felt it and most of the people I've taught have felt it. You know how you can feel your pulse in your hands if you yeah. just sit and just sort of be and you can feel it? Well, if you put your hands down flat on the earth, you will start to feel that and then you will start to feel something else that is moving with your pulse, it will feel like your pulse has gotten stronger. 
You can feel it in your feet too if you don't have too many calluses. Um, and then you can just imagine what it looks like in your head and imagine it as I usually use light, but it doesn't have to be. It could be water. That's another way people can feel it sometimes. And imagine it just coming up into you, into your body, following the veins in your body, just drip, 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 drip. And what that does is it actually energizes you. And it also does what we witches call grounding. It grounds yes. you. Yes. Um, and that's something that's really, really useful if you've been out to somewhere haunted and weird. Ground yourself before you go home. Ah. Or is... ground yourself before you get in the door. I'm you literally know. writing this down right now. <laughs> yeah. You can ground yourself before you go in the door, release anything that's with you, you know, just nope, nope, nope. Anything that's not mine and not the earth, I'm just going to give it back, you know, just yep. let it go. Um, but that's that's what a, a practicing witch does. We We empower objects as talismans. Mirrors are great. Mm. Um, we also create boundaries and wards. Um, Morgana would say you can have boundaries with everything. You know, psychology tells you you need good boundaries between you and other people. Well, you need good boundaries between you and the other as well. Right. So, you know, don't just, even if it tells you it's your grandma, don't necessarily be like, oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, well, I'll let grandma in. No, 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 no. Just, just hold off. Yeah. <laughs> hold up. So, yeah, we, we do, you know, psychic self-defense. We, yes. we create wards. We create uh, cloaks, essentially, that keep us safe. This little circle of us. Salt is super useful because really? it is both cleansing and banishing. I know all of this is going to sound really woo to the, the hardcore, well, like, yeah, not, not to me. People, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but salt has been used as a cleanser for centuries. Um, it also has been used to repel spirits for centuries. And you don't need super fancy salt. You can use Morton's. It doesn't matter. Um, some people really like to use fancy salt. or um, And if it makes you feel like it's going to work better, then fine. That's the thing. If you believe that you're doing something, you are doing something. And yes. Ren will tell you the same exact thing. Yeah. If you feel it, if you believe it, it will work. Mm -hmm. And he's also right about, you know, if you go out and look for something and you believe it and you feel it, it's going to work. Yeah. So, but you also need to be able to go out and feel and believe that you can push it away too. So. Right. Right. Which, yeah. I mean, that, that's the whole thing. It's like, I, I've talked to a number of people over the years and I was like, oh, I'm really interested in like, you know, magical practices and stuff like that. And they're like, cool. The first thing you need to do is learn how to banish. I'm always, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are like, ah, boring. I'll deal with that when the phenomenon shows up. No, you know? but like, no, <laughs> it's no. like you got to do your homework first, I think. <laughs> yeah. I was part of a coven for a long time and um, the the high priestess basically assigned me to teach the, the newbies. Um, mm -hmm. And the very first thing I taught 
was cleansing, blessing, and banishing. Yes. And they're all, they all go together, you know, and then after that, I would teach them warding, which is how What's you, that? warding is how you keep your house or yourself secure from, okay. you know, oogies, you know, yeah. spiritual nasties, because they will, you know, they will connect with you. And that's, that's how you bring stuff home. And nobody wants that. No, no, no. Your if uh, you significant want, other I, will never appreciate that. No, no. Most <laughs> significant others don't like that. They're like, yeah. damn it. <laughs> it's like my mom. Damn it, George. You let her read these books. Now look what yeah. happens. You know. I know, so. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I know. Yeah, my I wife's always like, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I could come back and do like, if you want me to do a quick and dirty lesson on on basic spiritual practices for safety. I, I would that. love that. I would love yeah. that. Oh my gosh. It would be like a little kind of like a, you know, cliff notes course for people, which I think people yeah. would find very yeah. valuable, you know, like, cause I have, a, I mean, I have a feeling that like, you know, a lot of people who listen to this or will listen to this, uh, are interested in trying to like precipitate this stuff themselves, you know, like, uh, Oh yeah. You know, it's yeah, like you, but... at a certain point you want to, you know, you can only read about it so much. You kind of have to get oh, your yeah. dirty a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's natural. Everybody's curious. Everybody wants to to experience what they've heard others experience about. And yeah, you know, the, I mean, don't take it so far as you're doing. You know, you know, I want to talk to this god form that's you know a million <laughs> years old and eats babies. You know, you don't yeah. want to pick something like that. You know, yeah, start slow. Start slow. Yeah. <laughs> How about just seeing little lights in the woods? Let's do that. That yeah, seems to happen let's... a lot these days. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not, they don't come get you too much. Uh, Barbara, I, I, I just want to say, like, it's so wonderful that there's people like you, uh, you know, and like some of the others we've mentioned tonight, because I do feel that, like, you know, I, I'm sadly on Twitter more than I should, and I do observe. I'm not a participant in UFO Twitter because I'm not interested in like disclosure must you know blah 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 but i feel like there are now more people interested in this stuff than ever but to me it kind of feels like what they're interested in is not necessarily the phenomenon it's the secrets that the government is keeping from us oh yeah and, and you know i almost feel like it's really you know as more people are like dude ufos never been bigger but i'm like i don't think they're like big in the right way <laughs> you know, like yeah. i guess and that's my personal yeah. opinion obviously I, there's no right or wrong but like i don't see these people actually talking about the phenomenon or what ufos are they're just talking about how they want to know the secrets that the government knows and i always think that well i'm sure the government has a lot more data and they probably have some pretty compelling evidence perhaps i don't know but i why would we think they know what it is or, you know, they like don't. any more than we would, you know? So no, they don't. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's right? the thing that, that, that bothers me. And, um, there's going to be an interview with me coming out in May that was recorded. I don't know. I think in January, um, on Vook's, uh, tracing owls podcast. Oh, and nice. I basically said, why would you trust the government to tell you the truth about anything? Hello. Yeah. You already don't trust them, right? Yeah. You already know they're keeping stuff from you. So why, if the disclosure comes, would you expect them to tell you the truth? They're not gonna. Yeah. They had you can't make them. That's yeah. not gonna happen. Sadly, when I when I recorded that, 
uh, Valet's second edition of Trinity hadn't come out. Mm. Um, <laughs> he basically says in Trinity where the secrets are. Um, yeah. Because he's gone to all the places and to the people yep. who should know, right? Yep. But they can't get to it. And it's in the Atomic Energy Commission. Which and nobody gets never, that. Nobody gets that. And so, I mean, like, I know there's, you know, like this week, uh, you know, there's like this big, sen- you know, hearing in the Senate. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, what are people really expecting to glean from this? Other than they're going to talk about the balloons. Okay, big deal. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, yeah. So I, I, it's, yeah, yeah, high atmosphere balloons. Whoa. Uh, oh. I know. I know. And I, it, it's my fault for letting it bother me, but it's because I love this stuff so much. And I want to, like, I just want to tell younger people who are getting into this stuff and listening to Rick Doty and thinking what he's saying is true. I'm like, this guy was, his job was to confuse everything yep. and put so fake why narratives is he telling in there. the truth now? So why is he, why are people, yeah, it's, it's mind blowing to me, but uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully there's some youngsters out there listening to this and you can, uh, you know, yes. learn from us because I bought all that stuff too. When Rick Doty came out in Serpo, I was like, really? What? <laughs> like, you know, don't get burned like me. It's just a waste of time. Um, yeah. Barbara, yeah. I cannot thank you enough. I, I want to ask one really probably the most important question anyone could ask anyone. Okay. What are you excited about making for dinner this week? <laughs> for this week. Okay, so I love Indian food and I cook Same. Indian food very regularly. Oh. And um this pandemic has basically destroyed my will to cook dinner every night because <laughs> you know, there's we live in a small town, so there's not that many choices out. Um, but basically for three years, I have cooked pretty much every meal that we have eaten except for pizza and, um, hamburgers, I think, and, Mm -hmm. uh, fried chicken. I don't fry chicken in my house and we have a good local fried chicken place. Uh, so what I found, uh, a new company from India came out and the company is named L the cook. So it's E L V cook and they make curry pastes. And Ooh. their curry pastes taste like I made them. They taste like wow. an Indian mama made them. They taste like <sighs> a really good Indian chef made them. They are fresh tasting. They are delicious. And you can make a curry so fast using them. And I am oh. just thrilled. Um, they're on Instagram. And uh, I I wrote to them the other day and they put me on their story on Instagram, put some of me basically saying, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Because to make Rogan Gosht, which is one of my favorite meals, which is a a red curried lamb or goat. Mm -hmm. um, It used to be an hours long issue. Like, like, you know, it's just, it took forever. And I, I liked doing it back when I didn't have to do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now that I have to do it all the time, if I want it, it's just like awful, but I found them on Amazon. I bought their, uh, curry pastes and it tastes like I had made it myself. And I used to cook for a Pakistani family. So I actually do know how to cook. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and and well, let me also tell you, my friends. I see, I've seen a handful of pictures of meals she's cooked, and w- one I was like, you know, oh my gosh, I love her podcast. You know, we we have so much in common in how we see the phenomenon, but we also both love food and the artistry of food because to me, 
food is an art form. It's just art you get to eat, you know? Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's art that doesn't last forever. But yeah, it's except that it though. does because it yeah. becomes part of the person who eats it. Yeah, and it's just a great way to bring joy to people you care about, too. Oh, I yeah. love cooking for friends. It, it, it's almost ritualistic for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is know. fun. It's a form of magic. Uh, Barbara, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming and taking the time to do this show. And please, I will take you up on uh, coming back and maybe walking uh, myself and my audience through a little wording. And I also, sure. I, I this sure. always happens when I have someone super interesting on, and I wrote down uh, twenty questions. We got to four of them, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I can I always still... come back and answer. Oh. You know, the other sixteen. <laughs> oh, I was. I would be so grateful. I would be so grateful. Um, everyone, you absolutely must check out the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast because if you're into this stuff, and, and like this is you know. She's talking about PhD level stuff. Her and Morgana, her daughter, who is incredible too. I really want to have her on the show. I know she's so busy with school, but you have got to listen to this because it's a PhD level show that you can understand. You know, I'm telling you, she is talking about concepts that are seem really heady, but you will come away after listening to this show and go, I have an understanding about something I never thought. I, I, I thought I'd have to read 10 books to understand it. And somehow you have this gift for distilling it down to the basic points. And that well, is. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're such a valuable person in, in this field. And, you know, this, these topics mean so much to me. So thank you so much for existing. And thank you for doing this show. <laughs> is there you. anything you, you, want, you want to plug, um, you know, aside from your podcast or? Uh, not really. I, I'm working I'm, on research for a book, but Ooh, you yeah. know, it's still in the research phase. So yeah, yeah. I won't well, I, I can't really plug that yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I will be uh absolutely uh the first person online for that book. I'm so thrilled I cannot wait to read it. Everyone, thank you so much. Say goodbye to Barbara. Barbara, say goodbye to everybody. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. This has been High Strangeness. Have a great rest of your week. Peace.